Yes, uh, we thank God for the new year. We've started the new year on a good note. I believe if you did start with the Lord Jesus Christ, you've started on a good note. And um, as I said in my new year message, um, we have a season here where all sorts of things would have been happening since the end of uh, 2010 with all kinds of messages, funky exciting messages but be very careful how excited you get about things because you see it isn't everything you hear that is necessarily truth and there is a severe lack of truth that is uh, troubling Christians nowadays and um, not just recently it started uh, quite a while ago I think about a century ago or even longer but we must say that we've always had the problem of um, false teaching and deceptive teaching it's always been there from the prophets in the Old Testament they always had false prophets then and then we had um, in the New Testament also the apostles had to contend with these people who were with the, amongst them in the church amazing isn't it and Peter said even as there were he, Peter gave the warning saying even as there were false prophets amongst the people even so there will be false teachers amongst you so we've got all that so of course you know like i said um in my new year message we would have had all sorts of interesting messages going on all kinds of items would have been sold you know prosperity handkerchiefs and um, they're still being flogged i see them all the time on television it's really 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 absolutely gut-wrenching really when you see how christianity has been commercialized you know it's it's like now you know sort of christianity one is it's like buying it off the shelf like buying a a, a tin of corned beef off the shelf where you can choose between different makes of it and different brands and different quality levels which one you want and that's exactly what is being done with christianity now and you know what this is not being done by servants of god no it's not i know they all say they are they all claim they are everybody claims to be a saint everybody claims to be anointed but it's very simple. There's a severe lack of discernment now in Christendom. But the matter is very, very simple. All you have to do is measure each servant and their said message, the message they are given. Measure them against scripture. This is why the canon of scripture was closed with the apostle John. We cannot add to it and we cannot take from it. And God is not sending any new word just so that we can have a standard. If God had not, if the canon of the word had not closed, we wouldn't have a standard because everyone we come, I will come with a new message from God. The next person will come and say, Jesus had coffee with me this morning and told me that. The next person will come and say, I had dinner with God the other day and he gave me this message. And there'll be a lot of confusion. Who would we believe? But the matter is very simple. We have got the timeless word of God written down for us so that we can measure all our messages and every professing servant against the written word. Now, no servant can, because nowadays you hear about self-styled uh, minister, self-styled evangelist, self-styled prophet. Anyone who is self-styled is self-serving because we have a, more, a, a role model, our Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the one we are to emulate. The apostles emulated him and they implored us to do the same. So when a person comes with their own new style and their own ways, then I'm sorry, they are walking in their own way and serving themselves. So you see, we've got to be able to measure and test everything against scripture. So we've got all the new 
theme names for 2011, the year of... I, I got so many of those annoying text messages, and really, I just look at the people who sent them to me as people lacking in discretion, because anyone who knows me, no, I do not buy into all the nonsense that is called modern-day Christianity. And so they should have, people who really know me would never send me such stupid messages that are sent all over the place and being forwarded and cut and pasted all over the place. But obviously, where some people just, um, you know... Uh, they just send a broadcast to everyone on their phone. And so I get all this stupid... I can't tell you how many theme names I've I've, I've received for 2011. Oh, God has said... My pastor said God has said that 2011 is a year of uh, fulfilled promises. I don't know which promises is going to be fulfilled. But I would suggest if you've been making promises to people that you haven't fulfilled, you better do that. But if you're expecting any promises from God to be fulfilled, where you are still working in your disobedience, where you still have no knowledge of the Christ, where you still do not hold up the Lord as Lord of your life, then you're wasting your time. He doesn't owe you a thing and he will not fulfill any promise. He hasn't made you any personal promises as long as you continue to abide in sinfulness, not knowing the Lord. It is not everyone who calls himself a Christian that knows the Lord. That is the irony of it. There's a, a certain easy believism that's been touted all over the world nowadays for Christianity. The life of Christianity is a life of the perseverance of the saints. It is not a, a, a walk in the pack. It is not a, 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 a life of ease and comfort. No, it's not. A life of Christianity is a life of a lifelong battle. We are in a lifelong battle for the truth. Not for our salvation. We have been saved by Christ, by Christ's atoning sacrifice. That was all sufficient once for us to cover our sins and to cover and, and to uh, bless us eternal life. And we've been adopted by God. And what are we supposed to do from then on? We are supposed to stand firm and contend for the truth. So Christianity is a lifelong battle. And in this lifelong battle, there's going to come a lot of trials, a lot of temptations, a lot of difficulty, a lot of hard times and tough times, uh, even death. Oh yes, even death for some people. All the apostles were martyred, except for John. And the, it wasn't so that John was not martyred. There was an attempt on his life. It's just that God delivered him because he still had work to do. He had not yet received the revelation, which was to close the uh, the, the canon of the word. And so he, he, he survived that experience. Now, after them, many Christians in the first few centuries since the departure of Christ or since the beginning of Christianity as we know it, many Christians were killed, martyred for their faith. People were killed in most gruesome manner. Nero, the mad ruler, the other, you know, he, he, he made, he, he tortured Christians so much, he used them as human torches at his games. He would strip them naked and, off, and, and offer them live to wild beasts to reap apart. As long as these people continued to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, Men and female, a male and female, child and adult, they were all killed for being Christians. They would be given things to offer to pagan gods and renounce the name of Christ. And these people will refuse to do it. And as such, they will be tortured. And, and I mean tortured. They will be scorched with thorns, with metals, beaten into a pulp, burnt alive, fried alive, fed to animals, the burnt on coal, naked, all sorts of things. And they held on to the, proclam the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. 
the average Christian today in same Jesus is not just says it's just a mouthy, just part of the slogans. It's, it's a slogan to them, part of the nonsense. So they've been taught, just say Jesus is Lord and carry on. And then you claim it and you name it because as a child of the kingdom, you're supposed to have this, you're supposed to have that. You're not supposed to have anything in that kind of way. Whatever is due to you is in the hands of God. Jesus, our Lord, said that we are not to worry about the affairs of this world. He said we're not to worry about the affairs of this world because God knows all that we need. He said pagans, pagans run after these things. But today a lot of teaching is actually encouraging Christians to run after these things, run after the things of the world. You know what? You want to run after things of the world, you are never going to stop running because Satan is the ruler of this world. And he is there to make sure you are always discontent. Yes, Satan's teachings, which he has sent through his false servants, will always be contrary to the teachings of our Lord. And he will tell you that you are not to stay where you are, and there's the coming wealth transfer, the most stupid thing I've ever heard said, that God is about to transfer all the wealth of the non-believers into your hands. You better get working for whatever you want to earn, and earn your own piece of bread. And stop deceiving yourself. It's, it's all delusion. There's so much nonsense going on. So we've got all kinds of theme names for this year. But what happened to all the theme names you had the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that? Because every year there's a new name for the year. And I said it, and I will always say it, that God is not interested in giving theme names to years. He does not count years the way we do. God doesn't get all excited about the 1st of January like we do. But one thing I want you to know is this. It's a good thing to rejoice. Yes, we uh, when we celebrate the new year, I said this also in my new year message. Uh, it's a good thing for us to rejoice. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing for us to rejoice when we have when we celebrate another birthday. Yeah, we've got another year older. Yes, so we thank God for it and we celebrate. Some people throw parties and things, you know. Okay, all well and good. But what you need to understand is this. For each new year, for each next birthday you celebrate, you are another year closer to meeting with your creator. Are you ready to meet with him? Because this Christianity of cowardice that has been practiced by many Christians who are so terrified of death, they don't even want to mention the word death. They reject it. Tell them something about sickness. They reject it. They have a cold or something or a flu. And rather than just say plain and simply, oh, I don't feel well. Oh, I feel well in the name of Jesus. I feel, uh, you know, positive confession. Look, all this thing about positive confession comes out of pagan religions. As a Christian, you are actually called to suffering. You are called to suffering. Yes, good days will come, bad days will come. But you've got to be prepared for them both. And through both times, you've got to be ready and willing and fit to give praise to God. You must be able to thank God through every tribulation, every trial, because you do not know what God is is doing through your trials. Now, the Bible tells us that tribulations and trials, they, they, they work in us, character. You know, it says that we can, we can be mature in all things. So if you don't want to go through suffering and you've been told to reject it and refuse that and reject that, it's not your portion and things happen, adverse things happen, and the Christian is going, why me? Why me? What do you mean, why you? If it's not, if it doesn't happen to you, you wish it on your next door neighbor, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. So why you? We never hear of anyone lamenting about this, lamenting their situation in the New Testament, do we? No. The Christians did not lament their situations. They were grateful to God in all things. Paul the Apostle, 
wonderful servant of God, loved by Christ. Yes, everybody knows that because he was endowed with all the special powers of the apostles, even though he did not walk with Christ when Christ was here. But the Lord was gracious to to meet with him and reveal himself to him. And he was no doubt a fantastic servant of God. Yes, he didn't take pride in it. He had his own afflictions. He had his own tribulations. He had his own sufferings. And he was, he was pleased. He was so pleased. He was so pleased. Going through tribulation, going through floggings, imprisonment, stonings, everything, persecutions, hunger, shipwrecked three times, flogged severally, rejected, all those things, he still continued to praise God. And he still continued, though chained down in prison, still carried on, writing to the rest of us, saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. Show me a Christian today who would like to go through that and still be able to rejoice. Nowadays, people don't have the money in their account, the thing they ought to have, or they haven't bought the house, the thing they ought to buy, or they don't have that position in their workplace, the thing they ought to be in. And they're running around from crusade to crusade. They're so restless. There's no loyalty to the local church, no. No, they're running. They'll go to anybody who's offering any kind of miracle or breakthrough whatsoever. Now, let me tell you one thing. God isn't sent. He has not appointed anyone or anointed anyone to be a miracle maker. Nor has he anointed anyone to be a miracle healer or financial breakthrough giver. No. God's servants have got the timeless message of the gospel. We are taught, we are called to preach and teach the word of God only. Now, what God does with each person, the level to which he blesses each person is simply at God's own discretion. It simply has his own discretion. I cannot give you any financial breakthrough more than the next guy living in your house who's an unbeliever can. If it is not God's will, you will not have what you, what you set your heart on. And you want all these things in this world. Whether you have money or not, you're going to die from this world. Whether you're well-fed or not, you're going to die from this world. So what is it all about? As many people who have all the wealth and all the money and all the fame and, and everything position in the world know, these things do not satisfy. They still die in their discontent. So the Christianity of discontent, which is what I've called it, that is being touted nowadays, is far, far from what true Christianity ought to be. Very, very far from it. And I'll have you know that God has not changed. He's immutable. His message has not changed. Jesus brought the gospel to us once for all. It has not changed and nobody can change it. And our call to righteousness and rebirth by the Holy Spirit has not changed. Jesus said, unless a person is born again, they will not see the kingdom of heaven. So it doesn't matter how much of a Christian you say you are and how much religious Christian practice you practice. God is not interested in religion. This is about a relationship with the Lord. And anyone who has a relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship with the Lord, does not go from one mortal deliverer to the other looking for deliverance and breakthroughs and all sorts of nonsense like that. No man can deliver you out of anything. It is Christ who delivers. When you hear the word of God and you obey it, you embrace it, you embrace the true gospel. You acknowledge that you're a sinner. And you come to Christ in repentance. And you come to Christ and ask him to make you his own. Once you've done this, 
Jesus does accept you. He doesn't turn back anyone who comes to him. You are no longer in bondage. Now your obligation, and for your own good that is, is now to bury yourself in, in, in the word of God. You embrace all of God's word as truth. So where Jesus says in this world you will have trouble, in this world you will have tribulation, he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You will not go when things happen and say, I reject it and I reject that. And that's not my portion. You are never going to mature as long as, as long as you do not go through tribulation and trials. Because that is when your faith is tested. That is when your love for God is, that is when your, that your love of God is tested. If your love for God is not tested, if everything is just going fantastically, if everything is going blissfully well, do you know what? You're going to lose sight of God because you're going to start commending yourself and giving yourself a pat on the back. I'm doing well in my business. I am so intelligent. Boy, I planned this so well. I did that so well. You're going to start giving yourself the credit. But you are supposed to look to God through hunger and, and being well fed. You're supposed to praise God. Whether you're married or single, you're supposed to praise God. You're supposed to use your singleness as an opportunity to, to get close to God. Look, I'm single. And my mother in particular, she carries on and on about it. Ooh, I know you never pray about it, but I'm still praying for God to, you know, to provide you with the right man. to do. And I keep saying, look, mother, I don't pray about it because it is not a necessity in my life. Any man in my life now will be nothing but a distraction to my service to God. And I mean that. And that's why it's never my prayer point. Every person should learn to accept whatever situation you find yourself with thanksgiving to God. We are not all going to have everything. So where your appetite every day is being whetted. Look, if it is God's will that you're going to be married, you will find a wife or you'll find a husband in God's own time. You're going to singles conferences and all this sort of thing. Do you know what? The, what is called church predominantly today is nothing but social networking. That's all it is. Social networking. That's what is called church nowadays. You go there and you entertained with a lot of choreography, dancing. It's like being in a rock concert, the music in a lot of these places. And you've all been entertained and, you know, the, the w women are lewdly dressed, flaunting their beats about the place. All in the name of, oh, yeah, we're under grace. Yeah, we're under grace, but you should have enough wisdom to know what is presentable. Don't go into a place distracting every all, 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 all the, the opposite sex by, if you're female, but by your lewd dressing because you're single and you're wanting to make yourself available. There's no need for all this nonsense. And the same way, if you're looking for the fruit of the womb, do you know not everybody's going to have children in the world? I cannot understand for myself Christians who are so downcast about not having children that, you know, they go from one person, one prophet or the other is promising you children. Who are they? Are they God? Do you know how many children there are in the world who need a home, who need love, who need a mother or a father? Do you know how many? We can't even count them. Do you know, if every average Christian family were to adopt an orphan child, I think we will have a shortage of orphans, orphans all over the world. But no, people don't think so. Once you've got your own child, why do you want to take on a, a strange child from nowhere? It's all about you. It's all about you. When the message you're hearing in church is all about you, throwing you into pity parties, and at the end of it, they sell you all sorts of things, all sorts of books, self-help books, 100 ways to do this, 20 ways to do that, you know, 50 ways to achieve that. If it's all about you, you have a problem. And you're in the wrong church. Sorry, because the message of the gospel is not about you. The message of the gospel is about God. 
It's about the reason God sent his one and only son into the world. The most quoted uh, verse in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amazing message. And that is what it's all about. Why then did God send his son? So that we can have lots of money? So that we can always have perfect health in a mortal and decaying body? Yeah? Because this is not the immortal body we've been promised by Christ. Is this so that we can have money? Because there were no, there was no riches in the world before Jesus came. Yeah? There were no rich people in the world. Is that why Jesus came? Did he come so that we can have big houses and lovely, you know, cars we can live in excess? And, you know, is that why? Is that why Jesus came? Because there was no wealth? You're joking. He, he didn't come for that. He came to reconcile us with God because the message is in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 from verse 28 to 30. Let's just see what is going on here. Exactly why did Christ come? To reconcile us to God. Yes. It says here, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's the reason. Jesus came. To bring up people who have been chosen by God for salvation. A people who would honor God because the only purpose of man is to bring glory to God. That's what we're here for. God didn't just throw us in the one and say, yeah, there you go. Go on your own merry way. I'm separate. You are people. I'm God. So never mind. Just do what you like. Fill the earth and subdue it. No, he put us here. Fill the earth and subdue it. God imparted to us his own good nature. He wanted us to... We would honor him as God because he created us. He created everything we're in the world enjoying. And he put us here. We were the, the crowning glory of his works. He loved us so much. That's why he said, for God so loved the world. It's not the contents of the world. It's us, the people of the world that this is talking about. Mankind. God so loved us. He created all the things. We were the last to be created as his crowning glory. And the whole idea was we would bring glory to God by acknowledging him as God and loving him as God because he loved us first, not because he's lonely or anything. He loved us first. So we love him in return. And so we will love him in return, honor him as God, live for the pop, you know, for that simple purpose. Enjoy what he has given us. That's why I said, fill the earth and subdue it. He gave us everything he created. Enjoy what I have done, the works of my hands. You are the works of my hands. And in all this, there will be one worship of the one God who created all things and put all things in place. But no, Adam and Eve decided to contend with God. Because Satan said to them, ah, did God say you shouldn't eat of that tree? You know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's lying to you. God's lying to you. You're not going to die. Go on. If you eat it, he knows. He knows what he's doing. God is so smart. He knows that once you eat it, you're going to be like him. And why don't you want to be like him? Why must he lord it over you? He's God. So what? You can be God too. So they ate, they believed Satan, and they fell. And ever since then, we've been, we all born into that fallen state. And God, being so merciful, reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. 
And so we expect, we expect her to go back to plan A, which is live for God, enjoy the works of his hands, live for him, acknowledging him alone as God. And that means living in obedience to him, living a life that brings him glory, living righteously. But no, do you know when you walk in disobedience, you're still carrying on and you're still committing the sin of Adam and Eve, you're still wanting to be God. Because when you disobey God, when you dishonor God, when you refuse to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord, and I'm not talking to unbelievers here, I'm talking to believers. Forget about unbelievers, they've made their point, their stance known. Now I'm talking to those of, 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 of you who say you're a Christian, but who still walk in disobedience. Paul the Apostle said, we cannot continue in sin and expect grace to abound. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? If I were truly your Lord, you would obey me. Do you live in obedience? Are you bearing fruit? Because unfortunately, you see, I know there's a lot of false, we've got millions now, I'm sure, of false teachers and false servants in various capacities, giving themselves all kinds of titles, all the spiritual bigwigs we've got in the world, leading people, leading hundreds of thousands of people all the way to hell in their lives as they jet around the world in their stupid private jets and everything, living large, living in excesses. How many of them are being exposed nowadays for their, for, for, for their gross sexual misconduct? You think it's just an ordinary sin? No, it's because they never knew Christ. How many times do we read of the disciples in the Bible being caught in ridiculous criminal activities or disgusting sexual sin or disgusting any kind of sin whatsoever? Once they came to Christ, that was it. They began to live for Christ. The calling is still the same on your life and on my life. We are called to not love anything in the world. You are still contending for lordship. You are still contending with God for his position. Because when you live apart from God, you were saying, I am God of my own life. This was exactly what Adam and Eve did. They wanted more. They wanted to be like God. In other words, they wanted to be God. So you hear all these teachers now just telling you, you are, you are gods yourself. And you've got the same power of creativity as God has. So command this into being and command that. In all the time, they've been telling you this madness. And you've been commanding things to happen. Have they happened? When are you going to open your eyes? There's a severe lack of discernment today. You're following anybody and everybody who's got lovely things to tell you. Do you know what? As long as you're hearing lovely things all the time from the mouth of a preacher, he's lying to you because the word of God is not exactly lovely. Until you actually know you're in the relationship with the Lord. That is when you actually acknowledge all his laws and all his word as fantastic food for your soul. Otherwise, it is word that reprimands. When in Timothy, when um, when Paul talks about um, t- telling, t- talking to Timothy, when he was um, exhorting Timothy and encouraging him, him because he was going to pass on his uh, the, the mantle of his work, not his apostleship to Timothy, but his work that he was doing, because Timothy was faithful before uh, before um, God as a servant, he was devoted to 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 serving God in spirit and in truth, and when. Uh, Paul was exhorting me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He said, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He didn't say all scripture is there for flattering, for, 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 for encouraging you in your carnality, and for, 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 for making you feel better about yourself. No, that's not what, no, he didn't say that. It's there to correct us. It's there to train us in righteousness. There's so much going on. So all of this here, I'm sure, is going to last. I'm going to be talking 
about false teachers, false teaching, the purpose of Satan, what he's doing. Because what Satan did in contending for God's position, you can study about that in Isaiah 14, verse 12 uh, 12 to 15. See exactly what Satan's sin is. Ezekiel 28, from verse 11 to 19. You see what Satan did in contending for God's position. And to this day, he has thrown his heavens into the world to do exactly the same thing. These are the professed men and women of God who stand there as Lord of your life and you honor them and you bow before them and you worship them instead of Christ. Although they do it on the name of Christ. But when the Lord himself, when our Lord himself can say to us, do not call anyone on the earth, Father, you are all brothers. There's only one Father and he's in heaven. And you still go ahead and you're still claiming all this spiritual, your father in the Lord and your mother in the Lord. You call them daddy and you call them mommy and you call them, there's something wrong with you. You have chosen to believe man like yourself rather than the Lord of our lives, Christ, the only Savior. I refuse. I mean, I cannot, simply can't. I cannot go outside of the Bible. I will not turn to the right or to the left from the Word of God because the Lord Himself taught me. I did not go to any theology school or anything, and I never ever desired to serve God. I had my own affairs, I had my own um, ambition, I had my own plans for life. Until the Lord laid hold of me. Nobody ever evangelized to me. Nobody ever introduced me to Christ. All that I know about the Lord, he has taught me himself through his word in the power of the Holy Spirit. So my teaching is not always uh, pleasant to the ears, but I don't care. I'm not called to flatter anybody. I would rather annoy you and upset you all the way to paradise than flatter you all the way to hell. And I'm going to give account for every word I utter. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to go to to hell on account of trying to please man. Because none of you can deliver me. Nobody can. Jesus has saved me. He's delivered me. And for that reason, I live my life in thanksgiving and honest service to him. So all of this year, we are going to be talking about this issue. There is a lot of ground to cover because people just don't seem to understand what is going on. A lot of Christians do not know what saving faith is. They don't know. A lot of them, are, a lot of Christians are not assured of their of their salvation. They're not sure. When a Christian tells you, oh, well, we don't know. I mean, when you say to them, you know, you're going to heaven when you die. Oh, I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. After all, nobody's ever been to heaven and come back. And that comes out of the mouth of a professing Christian. That person is not a Christian. Is another one right now under the delusion of the world. So there's a lot of work to cover. There's a lot of uh, ground to cover, rather. And so we're starting this. I'm going to call it this entire series, The Believer's Battle. The Believer's Battle. Now, I always make a distinction between a Christian and a believer. Everybody says they're Christians. There's so many people out there who say they're Christians who don't even know the Lord. But believer, I will say, for the purposes of my teaching, I say believers are those who actually have embraced the truth, who actually live for Christ. So the believer's battle. So you say you're a Christian, you wonder, if you're in this battle, if you're on this battlefield, then you are a true believer. Then you're a true Christian. But if you're not in that battlefield and your Christianity is the Christianity of discontent where you just want more and you just want more and you're not satisfied with where you are and you think God owes you more and you think God must give you more, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And God's own servants, the Bible says to us, godliness with contentment is great gain. That is how true Christians live. So while you're giving your pet names and your theme names to this year and you're expecting God to deliver everything that you have set your eyes on or your heart on, don't don't deceive yourself. If your relationship is not right with the Lord, you will not get a thing out of Him. He is, he is a you know He's a compassionate Father. He gives by providence. 
But as for your covetous desires and demands, I don't know about that. I will spend this year getting closer to God and sorting out your relationship with him. And this is where I've embarked on this particular series of teaching to help you in a better relationship, a true relationship, a relationship based on truth in the power of the Holy Spirit, because God's worshipers must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So we'll continue on this theme the next time I'm on.